0: Hello, welcome to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. We'd like to firstly wish you a Happy New Year. We pray 2017 will be filled with the glory of Jesus Christ in your life, and a year of deepening and expressing your love for God like never before. In fact, at CPC we began the year with 21 days of fasting and prayer to prepare the church for ministry in the year ahead. While not mandatory, we'd like as many as are convicted by the Spirit to be involved. Visit our website citypentecostal.church and head to the news and events section under resources to learn more and to get the prayer focus points for each week. We hope during this time of fasting that you will draw closer to God and eliminate any distractions hindering your spiritual walk with the Lord. May it also be a time to celebrate the goodness and mercy of God. But above all, don't just fast because we've organized this event and it's something for you to add to your to-do list. Instead, during this season of focused prayers of family church, seek God in prayer and follow what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Now, we're happy to be back to share with you God's Word, and in this week's sermon, we go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. When a tree takes root, it's not long after you start seeing the effects above ground. It's the same way with us. The deeper you root your life in Christ, the stronger you'll become. Now here's Pastor Harlan with this week's message, Deepening Our Roots.
1: I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Uh, I invite you to read along with me. Oh, well, we've got it up on the screen. My, my technical people back there have been able to do uh, what I couldn't do. So uh, let's read it together off of the screen. How many of you can, is there anybody that can't see it? All right. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your promises. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the gift and giver as the tithes and offerings are brought. We ask also that you would enable us to hear what it is that the Spirit of God is saying to us through the words of Isaiah the prophet. May we hear him clearly. And may we respond in action throughout 2017. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask it. Amen Amen. and amen. The Lord bless you as you're seated. It's hard to believe... 2016 is in the history books. It seems like just seconds ago that we were saying farewell to 2015 and hello to 2016, and now it's gone. Maybe it's my gray hair. My parents warned me. They warned me when I was a little boy, when I used to complain about how long the days were between now and my birthday, or between now and the day school started. Yes, I actually did look forward to school because it was the one place I could go and play and not get in trouble. They told me, the older you get, the faster the time goes. I'm beginning to believe that that's true. I think somebody does something to, to the time machine when your hair starts to turn white like mine. The year flies by. Now we are in 2017. There remain 357 pages that are blank in the register of 2017. You've already written seven pages. You have 357 from today onward to go. Well, including today, it's 358. What will they say? What will be recorded? You, you can't change 2016. It's, it's written... You, you can't go back and rewrite it. You, you, you can't redact the record of 2016. We can rejoice over the successes that are written in those pages. We can learn from the failures that are recorded there. We can repent of the sin that finds its way on those pages But we cannot alter the record. No matter what it says, it is written. But you can decide what the remainder of 2017 will say. Today, today is the day of decision. Today is the day of choice. Today, not tomorrow, Not next week, not next month. Today. Today is the day I'm going to ask you to make a decision. To choose what will get written, at least in one particular category, in the record of 2017. I'm going to ask you to think about it. I'm going to challenge you from the text that we read just a little bit to consider some important factors. What you want to have recorded in your 2017 record because you see, you do have a determining factor and that is your choice. I learned a long time ago that it's better to decide in advance what you're going to do when you're faced with a difficult choice. Sometimes it's too late to make a decision about what you're going to do when you're in the company of your friends who are influencing you and trying to get you to go along with them in the particular action that they want to take. You need to decide in advance whether you're going to be pure, whether you're going to be righteous, whether you're going to be holy, whether well, you're going to make choices that are based on God's word or you're going to flow with the crowd. Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 4, provides us with a very clear and very important insight that should motivate us to determine at least one thing that our 2017 record will report. And that is this, that the record of 2017 will report that we made a determined, engaged effort to deepen our spiritual roots and to develop ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. The second part of verse 3 says, that the Lord plants oaks of righteousness for the display of his glory. You see, the life of a tree is in its roots. Healthy roots, healthy tree. Strong roots, strong tree. Deep healthy roots will enable a tree to stand against the storms and the winds, the rains, the blizzards, The storms, whatever they may be, and bear good fruit. Because we are trees of righteousness, planted by the Lord for the display of His glory or splendor, whichever term your text would use, we ought to deepen our spiritual roots. Deepening our spiritual roots will mean that we will be brighter lights of righteousness and we will be greater reflectors of the glory of God. Throughout 2017, Pastor Francis and I are going to come and we're going to stand in this place and we're going to challenge you. We're going to challenge you on issues of discipleship. We're going to encourage you. In how you might live out certain things that the Word of God calls us into. I'm going to think about, going to consider how we might deepen our spiritual roots so that we can be, as a congregation and as individuals, these trees of righteousness that the Lord has planted. So let's take a few moments with the text. Because we read from the book of Isaiah. And how many of you know that the book of Isaiah is found in the Old Testament? <laughs> I gather by the laughter that I guess everybody knows that, right? And, and, and so we hear so often, well, that's the Old Testament. Can, can I speak to you just for 20 seconds as an Old Testament professor? Don't dismiss the Old Testament. Do you know that it makes up about 72% of your Bible? Don't dismiss it. it. It hasn't ceased to exist. It has a lot of truth for us. And yes, believe it or not, it is still relevant. Isaiah speaks to us. Today. But it is true that he spoke to his generation and that he spoke to a people who lived long ago. So if we look at the historical context of Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4, we we recognize and realize that that this portion of Isaiah is is part of the book that begins back in chapter 40. Those powerful words where, where God says to the prophet, comfort, comfort my people. That, that portion of the book of Isaiah all the way from 40 to 66 talks to the, the nation of Israel, talks to a people that, that have been in exile, talks to a people that have gone through trouble, talks to a people that, that are now returning home. Here in chapter 61, the prophet is addressing that generation that is returning back to Jerusalem. They're returning back to Judah after the Babylonian captivity. If we look carefully into the Old Testament and the history of Israel, we'll discover that that the nation of, of Israel has been going through trouble since about 830 B.C., in 830 B.C., things really started to spiral downhill for, for Israel and Judah. Now, no, I'm not going to take you on a long uh, tour of ancient history or the history of the nation of Israel. But you need to recognize that for over three centuries, the Jewish people have known trouble. They've, they've known military defeat. They have served under the rule of one military master after the other. In 721, the Assyrians came in and took the northern kingdom, Israel, the ten tribes, into captivity, dispersed them throughout the nations of the, of the then known world, destroyed their cities, Then in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar marches his army through the gates of the city of Jerusalem, completely, totally demolishes the city, tears the temple to the ground, and drags away the vast majority of the people to Babylon. And now they're coming home. Nearly a hundred years later, under the leadership of Nehemiah, what do they find? A pile of rubble. It's all that's there. It's just a pile of rubble. Imagine returning. Most, Most of those that have returned, if not all of them, have never lived in Jerusalem or Judah. They were all born in Babylon. The ones who were living when the captivity began are all dead. They died in Babylon. So all this, all this generation knows is the stories that they've heard from their parents and their grandparents. They've heard the stories of, of the wonderful temple... They they've heard the stories of the glorious city. They've they've heard the stories of of the majestic land. And when they get home, what do they find? A dump. A pile of rubble. Nothing of any value. The prophet speaks into their heart. And says something powerful. What. The prophet is endeavoring to do. Is to. Show the authority of the leaders. That are bringing these people home. And also to give hope. To the people who are going to have. To do the hard work. Of rebuilding. Of restoring. Say well. Well. That's a great story. And, you know, for those of you who love history, you're excited. For the vast majority of you who don't care that much about history, you're saying, okay, let's move it along. So, what's the relevance? Well, the relevance is this we live in a world that has been pummeled by sin. We live in a nation that is rocking and reeling from devastation upon devastation. We, we could spend a great deal of time enumerating the troubles that are around us. But we all know them, don't we? Well, we all know the struggles. We all know the hardships. We we know the realities of poverty. We know the realities of injustice. We know the realities of this and that and the other. But let me say this to you based on what Isaiah says to the returnees. You, we, are the planting of the Lord. We are the planting of the Lord. Oaks of righteousness for the display of the glory of God. When God looks down, he doesn't see what is. He sees what can be. He doesn't see where we are. He sees where he wants to take us. And it's our task to respond If we're going to be oaks of righteousness, then we need to have strong roots, because I'll tell you what, an oak tree stands high, and if it doesn't have strong roots, the hurricanes are going to knock it to the ground. Two things that help oak trees stand strong in the midst of the storm. One is that they have really deep roots. The second is is that they're together with a group and the group protects each other. An oak ridge will stand strong because there are many oaks and they all protect one another. So I'm going to talk to us as congregation and as individuals because we need to understand what God wants to do. As with the nation of Israel... And the returnees, the prophets over and over again had talked about this remnant. Isaiah had talked about this remnant that God would use to restore his people. And so there is transformation and a new beginning promised in this text. As the oaks of righteousness recognize their place as the planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. And as they move and walk and live and breathe in that status, they will bring about transformation. Their life will produce change. They have the promise of a new beginning. If we look at our text very carefully, it begins in the first person. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Begins in the first person. But then it moves to the third person plural. They shall be called. They shall be called. A work that begins with one engages a multitude. Now we all know that this particular text gets transformed by Jesus. Here's what. Isaiah says, he says, comfort. If you look at the text, he says that they are to comfort those who mourn. Why do people mourn? Well, they mourn because of loss. And the nation of Israel, when the returnees have come, they've been losing for over three centuries. There's, there's a lot of loss around us. Our world is filled with loss. There's probably not one person in this auditorium today that has not experienced significant loss recently. In the last year, in the last number of months, significant loss of one kind or another. Oaks of righteousness displaying the glory of God bring comfort to those who mourn. Comfort means that there's a word of hope. There's a tomorrow that still will shine. It talks about an anointing, and this is a theme throughout the text of Isaiah. Anointing in the scripture generally. Now here's a lesson for you because we hear a lot about anointing. We, you know, we, we have people that Promise that if you come and you give them, you know, ten thousand kwacha, they'll pray for you, and the Lord will take some of their anointing and put it on you. Anointing in the Bible is reserved for kings and the high priest. the only The only people who are referred to, except on one occasion, as being anointed, and it's referring to the anointing oil, and it's it's a commissioning for for task. Is the king and the high priest. They were the only the only two people anointed in the Old Testament. One exception is Elisha. Elijah is told by God to anoint Elisha as his successor. Jesus refers to this. And who is Jesus? He's the King of Kings. He's the great high priest. He's the anointed one. He's the anointed one. Now, I know we use the word anointing in a variety of ways and so I don't want to you know disparage the, the use of anointing saying, you know, that pastor or that preacher was anointed today. I, you know, I hope that once in a while you go away from City Pentecostal Church saying, "Pastor Francis was anointed today. Boy, was he was he preaching good." That's one use of the word anointing. But we need to understand that there there is an anointing that is a specific anointing that is for task. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here. He's talking about the fact that there is an anointing. And Jesus, when he picks up this text, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And you'll read it in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse number 14 through to verse number 30. Jesus' inaugural sermon comes from this text that we read. If Jesus had not drawn on this text to identify who he was and what his purpose and his task was, I wouldn't be able to preach this sermon this morning. Because the text of Isaiah would be relegated to a historical reality and a historical event. But Jesus draws on this text, and he says to those gathered in Nazareth, in that synagogue, today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what Jesus is saying, although Isaiah wrote relative to Nehemiah and the returnees, he also was writing about ultimately me. Because no matter how much Nehemiah and the returnees wanted to restore, they were limited in what they could restore. But Jesus is saying, I have come to restore and to establish the kingdom of God. I've come to build a kingdom. I've come to inaugurate an invasion. To inaugurate an invasion. Jesus started a movement that was going to bring the kingdom of God into the world to bring about the transformation that God intends, that God wanted, to restore what had been lost. And we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I don't want to do that today. Jesus identifies himself as the me and in doing that he identifies us as the they what he says is is what begins in me will continue through my followers those disciples that walked with him were being trained and equipped to be the oaks of righteousness displaying the glory of God. Those that the disciples won to the Lord, those 3,000 that came to faith on the day of Pentecost were were being discipled to become oaks of righteousness, displaying the glory of God from generation to generation up to this moment, the 21st century. Today, January the 8th, 2017, 2017, You and I, sitting here, Victoria Avenue, Blantyre, Malawi, at City Pentecostal Church, we are by the Holy Spirit being trained, discipled, equipped, led, empowered, and enabled to become oaks of righteousness. That's who we are, it's what God intends us to be oaks of righteousness. Displaying the glory of God. He is our King. We are appointed. So let me quickly close with this. This is what you need to know about yourself and about us as City Pentecostal Church. First of all, we are the planting of the Lord. You're no mistake, you're not an accident. I don't care what anybody has ever said to you at any point in time in your life. You are a deliberate design of God. And you say, oh, but pastor, you don't, I don't need to know anything. I know this. The moment you were conceived, Father God and Son Jesus and Holy Spirit got together and they made a plan for you. And they determined that they wanted you to be an oak of righteousness. Their planting, the planting of the Lord. You are not here this morning by accident. You say, but five minutes after the service began, I realized that I was in the wrong church and I I just was too... That ever happened to you? (laughs) Happened to me once. I realized five minutes into the service that I was in the wrong place. But I stayed because I was, I just was too shy to leave. <laughs> Even if that's the case, you're not here by accident. It's divine design. I want you to know something, folks. We are the planting of the Lord. City Pentecostal Church is, is not the child of Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's not the child of some human thought. It's, we're, not, we're not designed by some denomination or, or some movement. We are the planting of the Lord. Amen. Deliberately chosen by God and planted here in Blantyre. We're not in the long Way. You're here in Blantyre. And it may have been lots of interesting twists and turns and uh, alterations that allowed you to wind up in Blantyre. But know this, you are the planting of the Lord. God is at work. He has a design. He has a plan for you. You are the planting of the Lord. That gives great That gives. Hope to me because there are lots of things about me that would cause me to wonder whether or not there's anything of value there but when I hear the words of Isaiah and I hear him say you are the planting of the Lord that Gives me a sense of value. I matter. You matter. You are significant. You, you have a part to play in God's divine design that cannot be played by anyone else. God will lead and guide and direct and enable, equip all of the things that are necessary to move you to that right place at that right moment. A pastor told me a long, long time ago, he said, Harlan, I want you to know something. God may very well spend 75 years equipping you For five seconds of task. But he said, here's what's important. Is that you allow yourself to be trained and equipped so that you're ready for that five seconds. Because that five seconds is the most significant, most important five seconds in all of time for you. I don't know if it's five seconds, five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months, five years, five decades for you. But here's what I do know. You are the planting of the Lord. And God has been actively engaged every moment, every second up to this moment, working in your life. Getting you ready for something. Hallelujah. 2017 is a day. It's a day of opportunity, it's a day of responsibility, it's a day when a task will get accomplished that has more eternal significance and importance than we could ever possibly imagine. That's true for us as a congregation. It's true for you as an individual. You are the planting of the Lord. And if that doesn't get your motor running, I might as well quit now. Imagine, think of it. We are the planting of the Lord. Where the planting of the Lord to be oaks of righteousness, and I'm 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 not going to develop this a whole lot because I'm running out of time. We all understand what righteousness is, right? Is it's just simply doing the right thing according to God in every situation. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is doing the right thing as God determines the right thing. In any situation, if we deepen our roots, we will grow in righteousness. You see, righteousness is a journey. Righteousness is a journey uh, that moves from where I am towards perfection. Now, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I haven't arrived there yet. So I'm still on the journey. And anyone here who knows me even a little bit knows I'm still on the journey and there's a long stretch that's left. But deepening my roots will enable me to live out more righteousness in 2017 than I did in 2016. 2016 should have been living out more righteousness than i did in 2015 i'll have to leave that to the lord to determine but that's that's my interest in deepening my roots. That's my interest in in challenging city Pentecostal church. That's Pastor Francis' interest in challenging city Pentecostal church to deepen our roots because we need to have the display of righteousness in our city. Our city needs to see righteousness lived out. It needs to see righteousness lived out in our banks. It needs to see righteousness lived out in our communications. It needs to see righteousness lived out in our school system. It needs to see righteousness lived out on our streets. It needs to see righteousness lived out by people behind the wheel when they're driving through our city. It needs to see righteousness lived out. In the workplace. In the family, in the community, in the villages, the city. The world can only know what righteousness looks like when it sees it in us. We need to deepen our roots. And and I'm not saying that we're not doing a good job. What I'm saying is, is that we can do a better job the light of righteousness can shine more brightly than it is currently. Would you you agree? Am, Am I right? And that's not a word of condemnation. That's just simply a recognition that we're all on a journey. We're all on that journey. Can we go together? Can we go together so that our righteousness will increase? So that we will become practically what we are positionally. God says because of the blood of Jesus that I'm perfect when I stand before him. But I know that on a day-to-day basis in my decisions and my actions that I'm not perfect. My position before God is a position of perfection. I'm forgiven and so are you if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But we need to be able to bring that positional perfection into our practice of how we do our day-to-day living. So we need to deepen our roots, individually and corporately. We need to grow in this so that we can be a brighter light for righteousness so that our nation, so that our city, our co-workers, our friends, our family, we'll know what it looks like and we'll see the the great result that it brings to our lives. And that will mean the glory of God will be displayed. The whole purpose of mankind is to display God's glory. The sole purpose of any life is to glorify God. It's why we were created. And deepening our roots as oaks of righteousness will result in a greater display of the glory of God in our world, in our city, in our nation. And folks, if Malawi needs anything, it needs to see the glory of God. doesn't need to see me. doesn't need to see SETI Pentecostal Church. doesn't need to see us. It needs to see the glory of God, because the glory of God will light the way forward. 2017. What will it record? will it record in bright, bold letters your name followed by this statement? He, she, deepened their spiritual roots so that righteousness grew and God was glorified. Father, Help us to determine, because we are the planting of the Lord, that we will deepen our roots. You've planted us and you've made us oaks of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But we need to grow our roots a little bit deeper this year. Our spiritual roots need to go deeper into the soil and they need to spread broader so that they will hold us more strongly as we grow taller and more visible so that your glory might shine forth and people set free. For Lord, when the world sees your glory, they will be attracted to you. And in you, they will find forgiveness, healing, peace. They will find hope in life. So Lord, we ask that you would help us. As every head is bowed and I, every eye is closed, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. This is, this is personal between you and the Lord. But I am going to ask you today... And I'm not talking about making a New Year's resolution. I don't think that there is a choice that you can make that is more important. There are some that probably are as important, but none that I, that I, that would, I would consider more important than this. You're going to deepen your roots. You're going to take the word of God You're going to take your time in the presence of the Lord and you're going to allow Holy Spirit to work in your life to rearrange some of the furniture so that righteousness will grow. So that you will more perfectly live out the Word of God in your day-to-day living. You will allow Holy Spirit to speak into your life and to guide you and to train you and to equip you to make you ready for those moments in 2017 that wait for you out there those moments of divine encounter those moments when when God is going to touch a life through you when when the Holy Spirit is going to Speak into the life of someone through you. When the Holy Spirit is going to use you to be the answer to somebody's prayer. When the Holy Spirit is going to use you to bring deliverance to someone in bondage. And we're going to talk about some of this next week as we develop this text a little bit more. But today I want you to make a decision. You want, what, I'm, I'm challenging you to say... Holy Spirit I open the door of my life and I ask you as a follower of Jesus that you would deepen my roots that you would help me to grow as a disciple of Christ will you pray that prayer as we bring this service to a close Lord I pray for City Pentecostal Church and as one of the pastoral staff here, we have determined that that we will do all that we can to lead this congregation into a deeper walk of discipleship. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, that you would guide us through this year as we would encourage your people. Lord as an individual I stand here today and I ask Holy Spirit make me a better disciple make me a better disciple I thank you for planting me but I want to be an oak of righteousness that is pleasing in your sight And I want you to be glorified through my life. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.